0: Hello, and welcome to Homegrown KC, a podcast dedicated to exploring Kansas City's fascinating history and sharing stories from its church past. I'm your host, Laura. Join me today as we explore a piece of Kansas City's history. Hey y'all! So I had an awesome adventure yesterday, and I'm so excited to tell y'all about it. My friend Lillian and I went to the Kansas City Ethnic Enrichment Festival. She has been lots of times. This was the first time I've ever gone. I've wanted to go for years, and it did not disappoint. This year was the 43rd annual Ethnic Enrichment Festival, minus the two years that they didn't have it because of COVID. Uh, and the way it got started is pretty cool. So, the festival is organized and run by the Ethnic Enrichment Commission of Kansas City. They, quote, aspire to foster understanding and appreciation of cultural diversity, to preserve ethnic heritage, to encourage ethnic identity, and to coordinate and facilitate ethnic programs, end quote. So, in 1976, Charles Wheeler, who was then the mayor of Kansas City, formed the Mayor's Ethnic Enrichment Commission to, quote, Focused public attention on the area's rich cultural history, end quote. And the commission created an ethnic bicentennial parade and also, quote, presented ethnic menus at local restaurants and compiled a written history of contributions made to Kansas City's growth by various ethnic groups, end quote. And all of that was a part of the city's celebration of the U.S. Bicentennial. And they did so well with this program that they actually won recognition from the U.S. Bicentennial Association, so that's pretty cool. Two years later, Carlo DiCapo and John Duncan sort of reformed the Ethnic Enrichment Committee, and then two years after that, the Ethnic Enrichment Commission permanently formed, and the first annual Ethnic Enrichment Festival was held at Liberty Memorial in 1980. Uh, But then from 81 to 83, the event was held at Washington Square Park, which for those of you who live outside of KC, that's like a block north of Liberty Memorial. It's across the street from Union Station to the, well, Union Station is to the west of the park and Crown Center is to the south of the park. And then Liberty Memorial is um, southwest of the park. Um, But the festival was so popular, they grew so fast that they moved to Swilt Park in 1984 because they needed more room and they've been at that location ever since. And while the first few festivals were only two days, it's been a three-day, a full weekend in event since 1985. Originally, the commission only included heritage groups from Scotland, Italy, Native American, Croatia, and South Af- um, African American. Um, but today, there are nearly 50 ethnicities and countries represented at the festival. So, what did I see and do? So, we got there just before 12, and... This is really funny how this happened. So we were like, we're going to get there at 12, right? Right. Do you think we need to get there early? And I was like, well, I don't know. How bad is the crowd to She's like, I think we should get there a little bit early. Okay, cool. We'll leave now. And so I left the house at like 1115. I figured I'd get there at like 1145. And I missed my turn, so I was a little bit late. But... I, I come into park, and I see this white car in front of me, and the, the volunteer's like, no, go this way, go this way, so I'm like, come on, dude, hurry up. <laughs> but then we get parked, and turns out the dude in the white car was Lillian, <laughs> and we were parked right next to each other. Did not play that at all. It was very funny. It was kismet. Um, so we ended up being there just a little bit before noon, and I, we had said noon because we thought the gates opened at noon, That's when the first um, performance was scheduled, but it must have opened at, like, 10 or 11 because it was already a lot of folks there when we got there. Tickets are $5, and you could get a stamp if you needed to leave and then wanted to come back and not pay again. So that was cool. Love that. Um, We walked around the booths just to see what was available, you know, take a quick spin. We stopped at the uh, pavilion, and we watched the last... Uh, it was one or two dances, I think maybe two. Um, by the Heart of America Middle Eastern dancers, they were belly dancing. Um, which kind of looks like fun, but then also, I cannot dance to save my life. So I know that if I ever tried it, I'd be like, this is really awkward. My body does not move this way, and it it wouldn't be pretty. So we're never going to try that. <laughs> um, and actually, it was almost one o'clock by then, so I was like, I'm starving. I am too. Okay, good, let's go eat. (laughs) Um, And I'm a total foodie, if y'all didn't know that, so I'm about to gush about all the food that we ate, which was not as much as I was hoping for, but it's okay. Everything smelled so good. And dude, prices were amazing. Everything we bought was $5 or less. I think the highest price I saw listed was $8, but that was like a full plate. It was rice and meat and I think a third item. Most of them were, like, not necessarily an appetizer, but a small plate so you could sample the food. <laughs> Perfect. Um, we ended up getting some pastries at the Serbian tent because we're grown-ass women, and we can have dessert first ever, whenever we want, and we wanted dessert first. Um, we got um, povatika uh, No, I didn't say that right. Hang on. Po- no, I did say that right. Poveticia. Um It's a Middle Eastern bread that, you know, you you roll out your dough and you fill it with cinnamon and walnut and then you fold it and you keep folding it and layering it until you, after it's baked, when it comes out, I mean, it's just, it's swirled and layered in there. The, The bread itself is so thin that it's pretty much just filling. And... First time I've ever had that. My grandparents are like, well, you've had it before. No, honestly, I've I've never had it before. We have a good family friend who makes it every year. And I'm always like, I really want to order some bread from you. (laughs) Never have. Um, It was good. I liked it. We also got um, strudel, which I've had strudel before, but I've only ever had apple. This was cherry strudel. And instead of phyllo dough, it was hand-pulled dough. So it wasn't flaky like it usually is. And it was also good. I liked it. But oh my god. And I might not say this correctly. Ruglach? That sounds right. Ruglach? That pastry blew these two out of the water. So it's actually considered a cookie. And from what I read online, it originated in Jewish communities in Poland. But it has, of course, since spread since then. You can find it just about anywhere it sounded like. Um, And even though it's considered a cookie... It it was soft like a pastry. And it's rolled out and then you put your you know your filling in it and then you roll it up so it kind of looks like a crescent roll. And online I saw like every possible combo you could think of for sweet or savory. The one that we got was fruit and nut mixture. I don't know specifically what kind of fruit and nut, but oh my god, it was delicious. And I could have eaten a whole tray of those. I a little bit wanted to be like, let's go back and get more. But um, we got one of the last ones, and we wanted, like, food food, so we went and got food food next instead of sweets. Uh, we got an empanada from the Colombian Tint, and I've had empanadas before, but this one was better. I'm really not sure why, but I just I really enjoyed it more than I have in the past. And I'm not entirely sure what the sauce was that came with it. I know it wasn't salsa verde, um, so it was probably a cilantro lime sauce. That makes the most sense, but the sauce was really good. And then we got cuckoo from the Kenyan tent. Okay. I've never had Kenyan food before. I was really excited to try some more African foods. Um, we don't have too many African restaurants in Kansas City. I did try it once. It was actually like January 2020, like a month before everybody went into lockdown. Um, some friends of mine from... Omaha, no, not Omaha. Sorry, I lied. Lincoln had come down, and we all got together. And um, I don't remember the name of this restaurant. It was over by the river market, and it just said African food when we looked at the descriptor. But um, I think it was. I found was something later that said it was Eastern African, maybe even Somalian. That's that's what's in my memory. Oh my God, that food was amazing. They had, I don't know what kind of rice. It was like yellow, orange, and red. So whatever seasoning they used, that colored it. And we just got a plate of all these different meats. We got goat and lamb and fish and chicken. And um, we had some kind of bread. It was like a flatbread, but it wasn't... American flatbread, and it wasn't um, naan, but anyways, that was so good. I would totally eat there again, and I wish I could remember what it was called to, to tell y'all. Anyways, I'm way off topic. Okay, so this food from Kenya was nothing like that. <laughs> um, when I looked up Kuku online, and it spelled K-U-K-U, it said it's a chicken coconut curry dish from Eastern Africa. And the photographs online are nothing like what we had. So what we had at the ethnic festival was this little, um, like, ground chicken patty that was seasoned. They called it spiced chicken, but it was not spicy. It was just really well seasoned. And this is how you know that something is perfectly seasoned. Is you take a bite and you're like, oh my god, that's amazing. But you can't tell what seasoning that is. There's no one flavor that's standing out. That's what this was. It also had a tiny dollop of green sauce on top. Maybe that was coconut in there somewhere. have no idea. And it was all atop a bed of shredded cabbage. Uncooked shredded cabbage. But just the flavors were melded together nicely and got... A nice crunch from the cabbage. We also got from the Kenyan tent, iced chai. Okay, I love tea. Love, 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 love tea. Hate coffee. It smells and it tastes like burnt water. I'm sorry, all you coffee lovers. I know you're yelling at me. To me, coffee smells and tastes like burnt coffee. Once in a great while, I'll walk into a really good coffee shop and I'm like, Oh, that smells good. I'd like to like coffee but it doesn't taste like the coffee shop smell. Tea, love tea. All these different flavors and it's just a it's a lighter, it's delicate. I'm not going to start going on about how much I love tea, but I love chai. And I've only ever had it hot in the winter time. I've never had an iced chai, and it was amazing. I think I love it more than the hot chai. I mean, it was refreshing. And you know it had just it had that good chai spice, but it was cool um, and creamy and delish. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be hunting Kansas City now for iced chai. We walked around some more. We sampled halva uh, from Israel. I did not love the halva. I didn't hate it. It was not immediately disgusting, but the texture was this odd combo of crumbly and chewy. Lillian grew up in a Jewish household, so she's like, I love this dish because it's from my childhood, but she admitted it's not supposed to be as dense and chewy as this one was, and it's probably because it was outside and it was hot. Um, but yeah, so the texture was off-putting. Also, I honestly, I couldn't tell what the flavor was supposed to be. I was getting hints of vanilla and chocolate, but not like chocolate candy chocolate. Google says that halva is a type of confectionery originating from Persia and it's widely spread throughout the Middle East with the name used um, by a wide variety of recipes and generally a thick paste made from flour, semolina, or finely ground seeds or nuts and sweetened with sugar or honey. I guess there was sugar in it. There was definitely not honey in it. We tried to watch some more dances, but um, the pavilion was super, super crowded, so we ended up walking a bit more. So lesson learned. Um, Next time, we're getting there earlier, and we're going to, like, stock up on food and then go and sit and watch the dances for a few hours. Because when people sit, they don't get up, and then everybody is standing behind them, and then you're so far back you can't see nothing because you're super short. (laughs) exactly what happened. Um, we walked around a little bit more. We ended up getting in line at Malaysia because I was getting really thirsty and I super wanted mango lassi. Again, I've had lassi before and this it was just, it hit the spot. It was nothing unique about it. It's just like the lassi that I've had at Indian restaurants, but it was delish. It's basically a mango yogurt smoothie, but like a thin smoothie, not like a thick American smoothie. Um, and I was hoping that we would get out of line, because we got in line at like 2. I was hoping we would get out of line by 12, 2.30 so that we could watch the Tai Chi Chuan Chinese folk dance. That did not happen. But we did get out of line in time to see the Three Trails Taiko. And that was utterly amazing. We were both blown away. Loved it. So this is what happened. <laughs> we were drinking our lassie trying to stay in with a little bit of shade that we could find and then all of a sudden there's a boom and I jumped a little bit because I was so not expecting that and I'm like all right we gotta go see what this is and we get up there and that's when it was yeah I can't see I'm too short and I ended up like wiggling past people and then went and sat down on the floor in front of them um so still not a great view because we were like way off in the wings And there were still people in front of me, but at least there weren't a bunch of tall people in front of me. Anyways, so Taiko is basically Japanese drum corps. And it's probably a leftover from my days as a high school band geek, but I love a good drum line. And this was amazing. Um, I did manage to get a short video that I'm going to put on my YouTube. Unfortunately, and I didn't realize this until like five minutes after we first got there, I forgot to clear space on my phone. Therefore I had extremely limited amount of space for pictures and video. And I only took a few photographs and then my phone's like, you are out of room. And I was frantically deleting everything that I possibly could and moving stuff um, to my SD card. I could only move like 20 things, but I managed to get a few photos in one short video. Um, Tycho describes both the drum, the overall group, and the style. <laughs> um, basically, there was a, a range of big, and some of them were like huge, cloth-covered drums. Um, so not a snare. Not, not even a bass drum like you would think of from a drumline. And instead of drum sticks, they have something that kind of looks like a baton. Um a few of the songs also included a wooden flute and like tiny hand cymbals. And man, it was just good. I was like, you know, vibing along with them and tapping along and it's got it's got an amazing beat. And they're doing like all these cool like boom, twirl, boom, twirl, lift, high. And yeah, just that was totally an amazing performance. There's going to be a Japanese Heritage Festival at the Johnson County Community College on October 8th. The Japan tent gave us a flyer and we were like, oh yeah, cool, we'll probably go, but then after the performance we're like, oh, we are totally going. Um, They're going to have food and martial arts demonstrations and some more taiko. It'll be really cool. Y'all should check it out. Um, And of course that will probably become a minisode as well. Uh, And then the very last thing that we did was we watched two of the Gamelin Genta Kasuri Dances by the Indonesian Heritage Club. And I'm 90% sure that I said all of those words correctly. Um, it was different. It was unique. So I found a KCUR article on this. Gamelan is a Balinese art form that translates to Ensemble of Blossoming Sound. So first off, that's a gorgeous description of this music. And the music is polyrhythmic, so that means that there's multiple rhythms going on at the same time within this music. And, quote, incorporates bronze gongs, mellophones, cymbals, bamboo flutes, fiddles, and drums. End quote. Um, they only had percussion. There were no flutes or fiddles in this performance. The dances are, quote, highly stylized movement imbued with symbolic meaning, uses distinct postures, carefully articulated gestures, and rhythmic eye movement called celadet. End quote. And yeah, we could see that. We could see, like, they were moving their heads in a specific manner in time with the music, and, you know, they would move their feet in a specific manner, and their fingers. Being completely outside the cor- culture as we are, 100% did not understand the significance of ...of these movements and what their meanings were supposed to uh, tell the audience. However, I did appreciate the graceful movements of the dance. And the costumes were pretty. Yeah, they were very brightly colored. Um, that's pretty much it. By then, it was 4 o'clock and we were kind of wiped, so we went home. But we had so much fun, and I am so doing this next year. And the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that. But you know what, um... Through all of this, as much fun as I had watching these dances and trying this new food, I think the thing that I really enjoyed the most was seeing all of these thousands of people, because it was like I can almost barely move, so crowded by the time we left, and there were still people coming in as we were leaving. So I I just I really love seeing all these thousands of people coming to this event, supporting these organizations, because Um, When you bought the food, a lot of them were like, oh, we're not keeping this. This is going to a specific cause. Um, So supporting these organizations and just appreciating, supporting, and learning about all these different cultures. Really appreciated seeing that. That's going to be the end of today's episode. Thank you for joining me for this adventure mini-sode. If you can, I hope you'll consider becoming a financial supporter of the show. There are several ways you can do so. You can subscribe at Patreon.com or RedCircle.com. Um, sorry, let me try that again. At Patreon.com slash HomegrownKC or RedCircle.com slash HomegrownKC. Or if you just want to give a one-time donation, you can do that at RedCircle.com slash HomegrownKC or at koficom ficom slash HomegrownKC. And that's K-O-F-I.com slash HomegrownKC. You can give as little or as much as you want, even as little as a dollar a month. Once you sign up, create account, and subscribe, you'll be charged on that day, and then after that, you'll be charged on the first of every month following. If you become a monthly supporter, you get an item from the merchandise store valued at $5 or less. You get a shout-out on each show and social media podcast, so thank you, Bjorn, Joan, and Gina, for your continued support. Love y'all. And you also get access to exclusive bonus content featuring other local historians, archivists, and museum experts. Everyone who simply gives a one-time donation, I will give you a shout-out on the next available episode. But you will not get access to the bonus content to the other episodes, and you will not get anything from the merchandise store. If you give a donation on Kofi. of every donation automatically goes to fight climate change, which is something I'm very passionate about, so that's exciting. If you cannot support me monetarily, which is totally cool, I get it, inflation is high right now, it sucks. You can still support me by subscribing to the show, um, wherever you listen. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter. Follow me on YouTube. And then just rate in your me, especially on Apple Podcasts, and tell all your friends about me. You know, spread the word. You can visit my website for additional information on each episode. That's homegrownkc.wordpress.com. And you can also sign up for my newsletter on my website. It's once a month, usually the first, maybe like the first or second day of the month. And it just tells you you know, what I've accomplished in the last month, what my plan is for the upcoming months, it's a good way to stay up to date with the podcast. Not going to spam you every day. Hate that personally. Not going to happen. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or episode suggestions, you can email me at Um, homegrownkc.podcast. Try that again. (laughs) Email me at podcast at gmail.com, or you can DM me on any of my social media networks. I've had a few of you reach out in the past, and I super love to hear from you and love to hear what you think about the show. Um, had one listener reach out and was like, oh, hey, I know this thing that you said you couldn't find. And I was like, oh, my God, how can I not find that? Thank you so much. <laughs> um, if you want to check out merchandise, go to Zazzle.com slash store slash homegrown underscore KC underscore store. That's Z-A-Z-Z-L-E dot com slash store slash homegrown underscore KC underscore store. Thank you goes out to my talented sister-in-law, Sarah McCombs, for the creation of my logo. To the dear missus for the use of their song, Kansas City, as the intro and outro music of the show. To local libraries, which enabled me to gather all my research. And thank you to you for listening. Cheers.
1: Seemed